Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to another episode of Latart on Location. Today, a location, a place I've been, but in a new location within the place where Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the month of May, uh, Carb Day, a couple days before the Indy 500, I have some fantastic guests. The I, I call this three journalists and a broadcaster. I don't know if that's accurate or not. We have <laughs> Who are the journalists? Oh, yeah, you get the first one, so <laughs> here you have it. We have uh, Jenna Fryer from the Associated Press. We have Nate Ryan from... What exactly? I mean, you're, you're NBC, uh, NASCAR on NBC? Make sure I get this He's correct. correct. <laughs> NBC Sports Digital. Okay, NBC see, I want to make sure I get the right thing. And yeah. then the third voice you heard, that's Jeff Gluck, formerly of JeffGluck.com. Now your new position? I'm at The Athletic. That's Which the first time I've said that. No, How's it feel? Not. Well, it kind be. of, yeah. I mean, this I haven't, I haven't had a, a press conference where I'm like, uh, Jeff Gluck from The Athletic yet. So uh, listen, I, I want to... need s- to do that. Let's make it happen today. I agree. It's carb day. So, listen, let's set the stage. We are at Indianapolis for the month of May. I've never been here. These three obviously have. Um, it's raining at a racetrack, which is only fair. We're in the second story of the media center, which is the photo side. A bunch of I, I feel a little intimidated being here. Everybody else seems to be okay with it. So uh, we have Jenna here with a candle and a box cutter and a room in the photo thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm not I, sure why you have a box lie. cutter. I, I, listen, I, I, I want to appreciate it. So, there's so, matches, too. Okay. Uh, well, you have to have matches with your candle. So <laughs> the whole concept is that uh, she's messing with the candle. This concerns me. <laughs> so the, the, listen, I wanted to get everybody together. Uh, the podcasting world has been fun. Everybody on this table has been a part of it. But I want to get the three journalists that I follow the most in the racing world and kind of relive. So, so the story goes, I asked all three of you to kind of what was your big stories to start the year, and the, the variety is interesting. So I'm going to dig right in because this is what I've learned. I would like to get you guys' opinions. So what I, I love my job with live events, but you cover everything in the emotion of the event. So like you, we're going to have the chance to go back and relive them all. And the biggest one to start the year probably has to be the NASCAR rules. Wouldn't you say, Nate, the rules yeah. were the yeah. biggest story going into it? Yeah, uh, from the outset, from the – Las Vegas Motor Speedway test that Jeff was at, uh, that generated um, a little bit more headlines and quotes, I think, than we normally see out of a, a preseason test session. I think that set the tone for certainly not Daytona, but everything that was to come after Daytona. I, th- I think we could all agree that was that was the big storyline going in, was lower horsepower, higher downforce, and how is that going to impact things, right? Yeah, because all the, the, they've put all the eggs in this basket. It's like, this is going to fix it. This is going right. to save it. So even if the quotes and the activity hadn't been what it was at Las Vegas, this is the theme for the whole season because they say this is what's going to work and this is what's going to make it exciting again, and now we wait for it to be exciting again. Well, but it it's really gone on. I think that everybody was anticipating how it was going to affect intermediate tracks and all stuff, but it's really been the storyline every single track. I mean, short tracks, it's been a storyline. You know, places, you know, it's like, oh, how did this affect racing at Phoenix? Did this affect Martinsville, Bristol? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's really been the storyline, I feel like, uh, every single place that NASCAR has been to so far this year because it's, it's always that unknown. 
and every week it's like, well, what's it going to do this week? Yeah. Which, so, but, which, but, but that's my – so here's my struggle is the crew chief, right? So much changes the, 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 the race, I use my air quotes, than just the downforce or the power, right? Because that's really – when we talk rules, that's, that's the two things. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Right, like the time of year, the tires, the mood of the drivers. I don't know. I mean, everything. Like I've called enough of these races, and every time I try to guess which way it's going to go, you're inevitably wrong. You, as soon as you think they're going to be calm, the drivers act like idiots. As soon as you think they're going to act like idiots, they act super calm. Like you can never judge. And I think about this coming here at the 500. And the reason I say that is can, can anyone here predict what we're going to see Sunday? No. No. Right? And I think that that's Rain, rain. We're going to see rain. Okay, so maybe that. But my you're, point you're saying is, that is a reverse chance. That, that's my frustration. And I don't know if I'm alone in this. Is we all want set these expectations and then are disappointed when it doesn't match our expectations of whatever. Him, he, we he's the biggest. He, he took he, it personal. He, she's pointing at Jeff. Je- yeah, Jeff Je- took it personal. Jeff was very and upset. I'm not gonna, listen, he I've believed. been upset. I've taken stuff personal, but you took this one personal. Well, I did because this is, your, this is your chance to defend yourself. I felt like okay. I I don't like to think of myself as like a shill or or promoter of nascar i like to think of myself as a very like um you know independent uh thinking journalist who is like trying to be fair about everything and call it as i see it and all that stuff and i don't want to be accused of trying to sell people something that doesn't happen because mm-hmm. when as a journalist if you if you get in that position then you sort of it erodes your credibility but see but here, i'm gonna interrupt you because i feel like that is real but it's overhyped by social media and here's why I say that. Like, I would hope the three of you would agree. I'm about as straight shooter as they come, probably too much at times. No, that's me. That's why I looked at you. I'm a little <laughs> less than you. So, but my point is that I will just give my opinion on social. Oh, you're selling it. Like, let's be clear. I've done this for 25 years. There's good races and bad races. My point is, no, I'm not. I'm just giving you my – if you don't like my opinion, don't follow me. You, you know what I mean? So I understand what you're saying, but I feel like people accuse – all of us at selling something, so we get almost so much the other way. Am I making sense? Yeah, like, it makes so sense. Then you get so but scared if you're, to if sell it. But if you're selling it, quote, and I'm putting air quotes here, and it, it, that's what happens. Like if you were going to say before the Kansas race or something, man, this is, I think this is going to be amazing. It's, it's the perfect conditions for this. This is going to be, and people are like, you're selling that. But then it turns out to be like a great race or like an all-star race expert. or whatever. You're and you're like, oh, wow, okay. But if you say, like before that Vegas race this year, the new rules package is, oh my gosh, this is a game changer. This is going to be the craziest thing. Uh, let's, and everybody tunes in. They're like, oh. And then they're like, okay, where was that? You know, and you're like, ooh. Ooh, I wish well, I wouldn't have said that. A few things here. Like, I think your opinion was colored rightfully so and to your credit by the fact that you went to the fontana test you were the only people who went to that test you went to the las vegas test you probably the only journalist who went to both on a national level and so you had more of an expectation and you had done your Kicking homework there, and done no? reporting well so here, here's, in there. here's the difference here's the difference see this is where i love jeff but he's he's naive enough to think that tests really matter i've been to so many tests that i so don't true. care about anymore now you believe me so right cool. you're in my you're oh in my, my god now. absolutely, absolutely. Like you want to know why every creature you drops you know their head though? and they go oh we're testing you know what though we've learned this week in indycar the tests do matter we actually learned that this week the testing does matter in this series okay yeah 
What, where did that come? Because I wasn't part of the whole week of the stories line. Because so, you feel like they have a better idea of. Well, the Fernando Alonso situation underscores. Oh, we're going to get to that. I mean, Make that, no mistake about it. That, that sort of is its own. Unique. But all of them, you know, all of their, any team that has struggled, they, their struggle started at the open test. On, uh, okay. You know, okay, you know, that's fair. Yeah. That's um, fair. They actually, but it's completely different. You know, I it had is. never been here for the first week of Indy 500, and they go out all last week and they practice for seven hours straight. Right. Like, I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, like, why are you guys still going? <laughs> what are you doing? Right. And, and they're legitimately practicing for seven hours straight. It Look. is true, though. Like in NASCAR, you really can't tell anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell anything from practice. You can't tell You certainly can't tell anything so from a test. So, so my, average. my toughest job is trying to explain what a crew chief does because if I really told the fans, they were like, that's, what, that's the boringest job in the world. Like, you literally look at a screen and read reports and look at squiggly lines and dissect data. You're like a financial guy. But that's how you get good, right? I mean, that's how you get the good. So to your point, tests can be misleading because the, the sample sizes change so much on Sunday. But so the reason of this podcast is so that was – it was – I'm going to challenge you, right? An emotion like, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated. Or I'm this. That was months ago, right? So now we're 13 races in. We've seen – Has it only been 13? More than enough races in my mind to have an opinion. So now where do you stand? Well, I, I think that it's made the racing better – but I don't think it's made it good enough to justify uh, the drivers being sort of taken out of it so much. And that's not the best term for it. I, there's a better for way the to describe drivers, that. But. For the drivers who dislike it being dismissed, their, their opinion being dismissed by NASCAR, which is what they feel. Well, their talent. They, they, yeah. they, oh, they oh, don't feel I like they can I, make yeah, a difference, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. And so the, the big bargain of this was, okay, we're going to make the racing so much better. Yes, we have to start to sacrifice the talent of our elite uh, athletes. Uh, in order to do this, but that's going to be the trade-off. But I don't think it's made it so much better that it was worth that so far. So my, my counter would be, are the elite ones not still winning? Well, I don't know how much it, it has to do with them anymore. And that, that's concerning, I guess. I, I, want to, I want to know that when I watch a race, Kyle Busch won because he's badass and he's the best. I don't want to necessarily think, well... Was that because he just had a great car and track position that day? They all day, have or? a great car. That's how you win in NASCAR. Well, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That's how you win in racing. Yeah, oh, correct. Yeah. The guy yeah. that wins any 500 isn't going to just drive from 22nd. Alexander Rossi will. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Alexander Rossi had two bad pit stops and one on fuel mileage. Let's be clear. Alexander Rossi is not going to drive from 22nd. No one is. No one at Rolex, in He legitimately NASCAR. drove through the field L- last year. Last year he went last row to fourth. But yeah. It, over 500 miles. My 500 point miles. is, yeah. if someone thinks they're going to pass 22 cars in a fuel run, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on a bike in the Tour de France. It does in Days of Thunder. <laughs> okay, it does. I'll give you that. I can't. So, I can't. so, so have we been lied to? Well, if you use Days of Thunder as your platform, you perhaps are standing on sketchy ground. But so, so the reason I talk about this is, so I disagree with the top five, that opinion for the top five. So I feel like the top five are still the best cars and the best drivers on the best day. But I, I will concede that I think 6th to 20th has been tumbled up more. Right? Like there are drivers and teams that I feel I don't look at as a powerhouse. Man, they haven't really been good all day, and they have a better finishing position than perhaps they would have in the past. So is that bad or good? Uh, again, I, it, if I didn't know what was sort of sacrificed to get to that point, I would say it's good. On See, a, on this the surface, is the difference between you and I is, is I'm, so, I'm so dumb. I forget stuff, so I can just go in and blindly as a fan. But I do know what you're saying, though. 
You're quiet over here. I'm concerned. I'm not, no, quiet. I'm listening. I, the problem is, is I start talking and I just say all. I'll kinds interrupt of you. Go ahead. Yeah, it's I fine. just say all kinds of bizarre things. I do think it's good that 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 uh, from if you want to say, I, I think six to twenty ish mm-hmm. are jumbled up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's good. I think that you know um, I, more guys are more competitive. I think the racing has been better. I think that's I, fair. Look, I think it's not been, been spectacular. Incrementally better yes. is the thing. Yeah. I mean, was the Las Vegas race this year better than the race a year ago? Yes. Yes. Was it better than the Las Vegas playoff opener last September? No, no freaking way. No. That was the, one of the best playoff openers ever. Yeah. And that's that's the optics problem I think that NASCAR has is that they made they committed to making this change a year ago, essentially after the all-star race, the, the, the course had been charted that this is what they were going to do for 2019. And then NASCAR and NBC picked up the schedule. Slide job, Dale Jr., Stevie Littard, Burton. We had Rick a Allen. great finish. I mean, the racing you, in the second half of the year You guys got a lot of great yeah. races. It was somewhat circumstantial, but I mean, Chicago land was a great race. Indianapolis was a really good finish. Speedway was great. Watkins Glen, Bristol Motor Speedway. People love the August race. So... I don't even remember these races. They're all so blurry. It's, it's my yeah, job no, to be the, the memory bank. I, I don't. Too. I was there. I <laughs> yeah. was talking. You, so yeah, you yeah. called it. Yeah. You know? So, so, but so, I think what Atlanta I've, was better this year. Uh, you know, I think that races were on a face by face comparison. The races have been better, except for Dover uh, was a big dud. Right. Um, Dover's so. Dover's never really impressed me as far as door to door racing. So I love it because I know the challenge of what it is to try to do it for 400 miles, but. But I like the variety of the schedule. And I like the fact oh that they're God. not, you know, not the length, the variety, the <laughs> variety. What variety? You go to 39,000 mile and a half. <laughs> oh, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, you go, you, you, you go like from Bristol to Dover to road courses to flat tracks. Well, to they Deer. don't have, they don't go to enough of that. They need I think more. we can all agree on that, right? If they came out with a new schedule with four new venues on it, I think we'd all be excited if they weren't mile and a half. Oh, f- yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. And you dropped four mile and a half. You didn't the, add those. So I like all the ones we go. So, so, uh, so I don't think we should drop a venue. Like, I think they all have their own personality from a competition side. But you don't need to be two times. Correct. That's yeah. exactly it. I actually think, and, and the track owners will kill me for saying this, but I think in a perfect world you go to most venues once. Yeah. There are a few that I think you need to justify twice. I think Daytona's a two-tripper. Talladega's a two-tripper but to why? justify. But why? Because those are the, you, th- those, you, four, th- those four events mean nothing. In it, you take those four events, and it's like nothing else of the rest of the season. Why can't you just go once to each? I would be okay with once to each of those venues if you found me another restrictor plate track to justify that style of racing to the competitor. I think it's unfair to ask the the. It would be like IndyCar having two ovals. You know, uh, my point is you've got to have a mix. They only have about four or five, I think. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to cut out uh, one of the Martinsvilles either, you know, if we were going to. Look at this. See, I got the schedule. Didn't even know. What if you replace it with another short track? Okay, maybe, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. Is you can't. The minimum six short tracks that they've had now for what, I guess, going on, going back to when Wilkesboro came off, probably in like 96. That was when they reached this minimum threshold of six short track races. They have to keep at least six, and really, they should have probably ten, four or five more. So, I, so, so I'm going to I'm going to move us forward just because road, we're going to be. We've only done one. Courses. We've had NASCAR one headlights. Yeah. So, so how about let's talk about the, the, we're going to talk about this one. I, I knew this. He's like he's like this podcast. I only need you guys for 35 minutes. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be like a three and a half. No, no, no. Podcast. I'm going to let it be. So I'm getting ready to move on. So so we're going to talk about this very short because if I talk about this anymore this year, I'm going to jump qualifying 
Mm. Oh, yeah. I, so, I didn't so put just, that as one of my done. top five. It's done. <laughs> so here, here's it's my – let, let's just be clear, car. though. Was I the only one that went, oh, it did, that was a mess? Shocker? No. Like, did we all no, not, yeah. did we all not learn from Xfinity week. and trucks? Yeah. So, so am I the only one that says, leave it a mess? Yeah, because I think it was starting to I, – I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like the – Like Fontana. Yeah. Was that NASCAR's fault, the driver's fault? Who should the fans have been mad at? Um, the driver's. No, I don't think the driver. The drivers were doing what the drivers and okay, teams I'm gonna, doing I'm what they make should. Drivers and teams in one big bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah okay. The drivers. So they were doing what up. they had to do under the rules to give themselves the best benefit, which is their job. The format required that of them. Um, so I don't say this often. I'm with Jenna. Isn't there some? <laughs> ch- you say that all the time. You just don't publicly say it. <laughs> no, I'm because with, I'm you're afraid. afraid to I'm with Jenna on this because. Listen, I, l- l- let me explain why, I, why I'm passionate about this because. <laughs> I believe that NASCAR is trying very, very hard to create something, to fix something, to build something. They're doing all these things, and the team should have gotten on board and respected that. And yes, they, this is the package they've given, and this is the rules, and this is what in their minds they think they have to do. But there's some sort of, um, you know, stakeholder obligation. Y- obligation of, let's quit. Can, can you curse on this? I don't know. I'll I'll try not to because I almost just did. We've never tested that. There's some sort of obligation, I think, on the part of the teams to get on board with with – they wanted to create an entertaining qualifying No, there's not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you watch the the Gordon Earnhardt (laughs) documentary? I I watched about half of it. Okay, so you don't feel that those two knew the obligation of what they were doing? Sure, but that's a lot different. This is qualifying. No, no, I disagree. This is a a nationally covered – Look what happened when those cars tried to go out. Uh, I can't remember the one race. Like Kurt Busch and Suarez, they went out, and everybody's like, "Oh, what here?" Oh no, Suarez was the one that turned out okay. Kurt Busch went out, right? Yeah. And was like a hero, and everybody's like, "Yeah, way to go!" And then he didn't even make the next round because everybody went out as a group. It turned out, and it worked. Right. And you know, I I I, I am glad NASCAR tried that because they wanted they didn't want to have to go to single car. But, but you're okay with where they ended up because I'm was, way yes. okay. Yeah, I'm like, fine listen, with we all are. I mean, listen, there's 36 races. We don't need more events on the weekend, right? Like, I'm okay for the day and a half show. Qualifying doesn't have Why to be this It doesn't, doesn't need to be about qualifying. It doesn't need to be about qualifying. Just line them up. I understand. Thank you. Just line them up. Invert them from last week and let's go. Like, Stevie's point about the greater good is well taken, and I think you're right. Like, I think there does need to be that Earnhardt Gordon understanding of, like, how do we. Right. Is but we all agree. Like I'm done talking. Qualifying, uh, yeah. It, right? Well, that's my, my last point on this. Is group qualifying the hill you want to die on to like make that point? Absolutely not. And I think like since the switch to single car qualifying, it's had like almost zero impact. It's just happened. It's how did, how does Fridays get a, to this point where everybody's like, we it, need to make this a show? Never, I, yeah. I've, I've tried to think that through myself, and I don't know like why that happened in 2014. While why suddenly there was this need for. Look, we need drama. It's a procedural. No. It should be about event. Sunday. It's just yeah. about setting the field for Sunday. I think we can all agree on that. I, That's I, it. I, we're filing. Yeah. So we're done with group qualifying. This is going to be a rough <laughs> transition. I, I didn't lay these out in order, but I want to go to this one because it was a major traffic um, on the NBC site and a major news story, um, and that's when JD Gibbs passed away. And the reason I go to this is because we all talked about rules for 15 minutes passionately, and we talked about qualifying. It, it's, it's the moment in the sport when something like that happens that remind us, I'm going to take a, uh, my boss's quote, that this is not brain surgery. This is just sports. 
right? And it's great that we're passionate about it, and we love that the fans are passionate about it, but it's entertainment. In the, today's world, I'm glad I don't cover the news or cover the this. We cover sports. It's great. Like, no matter whether you disagree with you, it's still just sports. We, we but that's agree a humbling a moment. But that's a humbling <laughs> moment, I think, <laughs> Again, for all of us to, to <laughs> you know, remind that. And it, and it makes me think, as I sit here at Indy, you, you know, one thing is just this speedway. I mean, you read through the history, right? There, there's been a lot of lives changed and taken in, in this crazy sport. How do you guys all handle that in your roles, right? Like, that's a tough – for me as a live broadcaster, it, it's my first ever race was the Dale Jr. win at Daytona, Austin Dillon in the fence. And I will never forget – like, it was a great night, four hours. We're having a great time. Oh, right? that, and when and that rained. Crash, he didn't even get when, in the fence till like, 2 a.m. Right, and when that crash happened, I remember Jeff Burton and I looked at each other, and that was – it was – since no one got hurt, it was thankful it happened because instantly we realized, like, this is our – like the world's listening to us yep. we have to do this correctly and rick did a masterful job so so talk about jd someone who's been so important and wonderful guy i don't think any of us know anybody nicer how do you have to handle those in your job as journalists i think like with a certain sense of emotional detachment right i mean it, i guess it, that's it, my question right it, do you remove you know yeah it, it goes it's part of the territory in covering racing is knowing that it's not about golf where a missed putt means you you don't win the tournament or whatever in racing you know if you miss the apex of a corner this track or any other or whatever like you could go to the hospital or worse and mm-hmm. like i think like as racing journalists we're all pretty cognizant of that that anytime we go to the track yes we like to see people we like to talk to people we like to have fun but we're also very aware of the fact that that day could involve writing a story about a very serious injury right or worse it's, well, cra- and it's crazy. I mean, it's cra- like as a crew chief, I, I'll, I'll admit that I lost 200 miles an hour became a number on a piece of paper, right? Like, and if I was going 200, I wanted to go 201. I mean, that was just – so you kind of lose that human aspect of it. Yeah. I think that uh, I kind of fall into the trap, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but, you know, like, like the JD thing, right? Uh, you know, I don't think we probably properly recognize how much, like, suffering that Coach had to go through uh, to watch his son – like that for years and then you know he passes away and all that stuff and you know you knew he was going downhill but then you you sort of fall back on the like they've once they're the team of the year so far right they've won all these races mm-hmm. and every, every time he wins oh they you know wow jd this is this you just won a race this must make it better huh coach you know it's almost that right. attitude right. mentality about it but you know he and i don't think he he doesn't really show that emotion you know in the press conferences like how much pain that they've had to go through and they're, you know, they're trying to keep positive about it, but that certainly has to be, you know, no wins make that better. And I'm sure that there's been a lot of suffering, you know, he makes the hall of fame, all stuff. Great. But that doesn't bring your son back. Doesn't erase what's happened. So I think that they've probably gone through a lot and that's, you know, the wins help cheer him up on some days, but I'm sure it doesn't really erase anything that's, that's happened, you know? You're surprisingly quiet over there. You were about I, to say something. I heard. I, 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 I don't. I don't have much to add on it. I, I mean, mean, it's, it's just. About, it's, 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 it's just. It, it's a bad situation. I agree with Nate. You try to have some level of detachment. I think that the um, 2011 death of Dan Weldon was one of the most difficult that I have mm-hmm. ever had to cover because mm-hmm. the these guys in this series were grief stricken. Right. I mean, they were grief stricken, and then I've got to be the vulture. You know, the day after he's been killed, trying to talk to Dario and trying to talk to Scott Dixon and, you know, and trying to, you know, and, and, you know, when I finally, they didn't do any interviews for a week. Nobody did any interviews for a week till after his funeral. And even 
when they finally started doing interviews, they were weeping in the right, interviews. Right, right. I mean, and, and these are people that you know well, and so right. you just, it's, it But sucks. that's where you have it to, it, it's off, right? That's it the sucks. worst, but you yeah. have, but at the same time, you know, as at the start of this podcast, right, you're, you're Jennifer I, the person, but you're also Jennifer I, the writer for, for one of the biggest news outlets. The fan base, I, I don't want to say yeah. d- deserve, that's really cold to say, but there is a, Required amount of coverage for yeah, this sure, to be sure. this global stuff that it is, and, and the, the Weldon death. To Jenna's point, that bled over to NASCAR because absolutely. he died, and the next day there was testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway, yeah. and Jimmy Johnson, who has a lot of friends in IndyCar, is very tight with Scott Dixon, was saying, "I don't think those guys should run ovals yeah. anymore." And, and so I and had to go right. Smoke wouldn't even do me. He wouldn't even talk about it. Right. He would, yeah, at the test. Yeah. Just, and then the next, and then. Uh, Talladega was the next weekend. I know. So the just, atmosphere and the tension, right, and it was right. just, it, you know, it was just a really awful like eight days of um, of just grief and mourning and news, oh. and you just you you don't like to. That's when you don't really like your job. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd much mm-hmm. rather be a, a White House reporter with no attachment and no That's relationship, right. who's just there and I raise my hand, and I ask my question, and I get my answer, and I get out. Right. You know, as opposed to the prying and the digging. And, yeah. and to put a bow on the, the JD thing, like it, obviously that's that's different because it's an off-track death. But like one angle, and it might have gotten lost a little bit because, unfor- as Jeff said, unfortunately his health has gone downhill in recent years, so there hasn't been quite as much written or discussed about this or analyzed. But it's part of the story is that, and he was viewed as the heir apparent, much the way Ricky Hendrick was going to be the heir apparent for Rick Hendrick. That was a very difficult story to write for that reason. I think that is why there is interest in the the Gibbs storyline as well, because it it altered the secession plan at Joe Gibbs Racing in a way where he, J.D. Gibbs was the president of that team, and everybody knew that when whenever Coach Joe was gone, he would be the guy. And I think that adds another layer to it. And again, for us, I think it makes it, difficult to cover because we're writing about like real world consequences for people we have to talk to on a regular basis but to your point Stevie it's part of the story it's part of the deal and uh, you know when Denny Hamlin wins the Daytona 500 and he's the guy who JD Gibbs essentially signed and discovered when that happens a month later after his death that adds another layer of the story as well the on track stuff is crazy and maybe I'm gaining age Maybe it was Dale going through his concussions. Maybe it's my son racing, and I've seen him take a couple huge flips that, like, you know, three of us have children here. Right? That's different, right? When it's something, we, it, it just hits you. It's I can't explain it. The listeners will have to understand if they have children. It's just totally different. And and the the culmination of all that has me walking through this garage area very differently today. Like I walk through here and see these 33 pilots that are going to go in on Sunday, and I'm like, like. It's amazing what they're going to be asked to do, and they're happy to do it. And they're like, this is their dream job, so it's crazy stuff. But those are, to your point, those are the days that no one likes our jobs, um, but we still have a job to do. You mentioned Talladega. This is one I can't remember uh, who brought this up. So real quick, once again, we're sitting here at Indianapolis, uh, three journalists and and a broadcaster. We got Jenna Fryer, Nate Ryan, Jeff Gluck, and myself, Steve Letarte, discussing a bunch of stuff. You talked about Talladega first non-plate still had the tapered spacer and all but so the technical guy right a lot more horsepower a lot more drag like it's a big shift like going to the computer tap 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 and hope this works out okay on the other end i was happily entertained i thought it was crazy um more buzz about the speed than i think anybody's ever seen overall a success for me 
I can't wait for Daytona. What says the three of you? Were you happy with Talladega? Talladega worked out really well. That was one of the better, uh, well, I was going to say one of the better plate races, but no, no, one of the better super speedway it's races. Fair, it's fair to say the, the super speedway races have got a little slow at times because I think the drivers are smart enough to be like, listen, guys, we're going to set this thing on in single file and get 100 miles in. And now, yeah. I mean, Talladega was nuts. That looked like, uh, you know, late 90s or 2000s. Uh, plate race rather mm -hmm. than what we've seen the last few years where you had the leader out there blocking and defending the two lines and they couldn't really get as much of the runs as big. Uh, you had more, a lot more uh, pack racing and stuff and uh, that made it, that made it really good. No, I was definitely, I think Talladega was a big success with, with the way they did the package. Yeah, especially on the heels of that race last October, I think we can all agree was one of the worst Talladega, I mean, good I for remember Stuart that Haas racing. I that they led, what, 85 to 90% of the laps, but mm -hmm. it was not the plate racing that people have come to expect there. And, you know, Stevie, I know that was on your list there. I mean, one of the most read stories on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR this year was Ryan Newman coming out at Talladega and saying he was concerned this year about the changes NASCAR made with the tapered spacer and the speeds being too high. And, again, there's always that balance of uh, entertainment and death-defying stunts that they're kind of asking these drivers to do especially tracks like this i can't speak to talladega because um it was my grandmother's 90th birthday that day a plus move and i had to like like secretly have my phone like no 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 it goes back to the human interest so i will ask you about something though because um i don't want to speak for jeff because he goes over a lot of different sports but you cover probably more than me the variety of racing like i said it's my first ever i also May. cover different so, stuff so, so ryan newman speaks out about the speed my opinion is he has every right. Like he's a driver. He can say yeah. whatever he wants. I love, even when I don't love what they say, I love that they all talk, right? You can't say have a personality, but, well, I don't want you to have that personality, right? Have, so, if, so, but the interesting thing is I just don't hear that or I just don't follow it well enough. IndyCar, motocross, sports car, in general, I just don't feel like there's the, do you think those conversations happen in private? They must, right? If, no, if I think a, they happen in public. I just don't think that there's enough people paying attention. There's not a big enough crowd. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a fair yeah. subject. Because yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. even knocking right. Like, he has every right to, here's the mic, say what you want. Nate and I had this conversation on the way in. Speaking of which, Nate Ryan showed me the greatest start to Carb Day ever. Picked me up at 6.30, saw Chip Ganassi in the uh, lobby of the hotel, then drove like six circles around India, ended up at a coffee shop. That was excellent. Then we drove through three neighborhoods to park in a muddy parking lot to walk through a tunnel. <laughs> it was Indianapolis like I had never seen But it. we didn't wait in line at the 60th Street Tunnel. But we didn't wait in line. Tunnel. So, uh, so I, I appreciate good. that. We didn't have a... We didn't have the, the a fast way in like express. I did. We didn't have the express. <laughs> you, the don't, you don't know the secret route. <laughs> the secret route. Um, all right, I'm going to pick this up because this is one that is over my head, and i got to hear some theories. NASCAR is buying ISC. SMI is buying uh, – like, okay, okay. So one of two things is happening. Either the – and, the, and we it, don't know. Just in case we have a non-NASCAR fan listening to this. Okay. So, okay, so NASCAR is private. France family? I, make sure I don't miss this. So the non-reporter is going to walk us through No, this. I'm, I'm, you reporters get it. So set the stage. Go so ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lay it out. NASCAR is private? He, he, I, no, he, that was a question, not a statement. He just said he doesn't know anything NASCAR about it. NASCAR is private. It. Yep. NASCAR is private. NASCAR is private. ISC was, is still public, but NASCAR, okay. the France family, wants to return it to private and then purchase it by NASCAR so that they own everything. So one of two things is happening, and we do not know for certain because Jim France will never speak to us, <laughs> besides like cordial small talk. Um, they are either doubling down their commitment, which is what Steve Phelps will tell you, or they're trying to bundle everything for a nice, clean, easy, tidy sale, 
one of two things is happening, and it, I, I don't know. I would say many in NASCAR don't know either. Yeah. I would yeah. say the number of people in the world is a very small, finite yeah. number who are privy to exactly what's taking place. But I do think, I do think that what, whatever they do um, at any time, whether they are for sale or not for sale, this move that they are doing in acquiring ISC is giving them the power to blow up the entire schedule and do anything they want. Which would be very good. Yeah. So that and was going to be my follow regardless of the end goal. I, I think independent tracks are in trouble right now. Do you, you think? Because then Marcus came out. I want to make sure I'm getting that right. Was Marcus the one on the quotes when they said that the Smith family was buying back SMI private? Wasn't yeah, that so the, they wanted a new business model. But he kind of threw it right out there that they're going to bundle it for sale. Like, well, didn't he use that term? Here's the thing. I mean, what what's the the constant thing that we hear over the years for why every time somebody throws out a schedule, they should do this, they should do this, they should go to more short, whatever we're talking right. about. Well, we can't do that because we have to move it to another track from this company. We're worried about shareholder lawsuits, blah, 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 blah. Once they take all the tracks and they can get them all under one roof, they can really, in theory, do what's best for the sport overall. Uh, or Agreed. NASCAR, and Ohio. not just under one roof, privately held. Like that's the key to this yes. entire question. Like you, you said, shareholders. Right now, the problem, if you view it as a problem, and I think most of us here do, is that every, yeah, the tracks answer to shareholders who want quarterly dividends, who expect profits. So decisions are made based on short term short term return instead of long term growth or gain for NASCAR as a whole. So if it, the tracks can become privately held and not answering to people who are only worried about making money hand over fist certain millions every year, then you would hope we can make better decisions for So, so to educate future. the listener, you said independent tracks. Help me with the list. Pocono There's is three. still an independent? Indy, oh, love it. Dover, Pocono. So I think independent tracks are in trouble. I think SMI um, better be careful that NASCAR doesn't just say, just doesn't cherry pick what it wants from from the SMI portfolio. So as a business model, I can see how that's bad for SMI. But what should the NASCAR fan hope for out of all this? Uh, right, because if I'm if I'm a fan of a sport, I, I think a fresher new look is what the NASCAR fan should hope for. A fresher like a schedule. Yeah, yeah, mostly yeah, yeah, a yeah. schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be able to add short tracks. You're going to be able to add road courses. You may maybe be a able to shorten circuit. races. You, you, yeah. you, you, you may, you probably. And you think they can move quicker? You, you yes. My point being, uh, yes. you know, like like if if the fan base, like I laugh, but when I started traveling, you know, I got this like little simple flip phone, and now now you're book literally sitting here booking flights on your thing. And and my point is. Like, you got to be able to change. Yeah. Like, if the fan base wants short tracks, that's today. But who knows in seven years, like, they're too slow. We want a mile and a half. Like, we got to be able to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that the responsibility? You can be way more nimble when you don't have nearly as many people to answer to. And that's the problem with the current model is there's just too many voices that need to be heard. So how about the traction? When you guys write about this, or is this like a union meeting we're missing? I say this because they're, like, they're they're filing in here. I feel like they might have a photo meeting. Oh, boy. Yeah. We, we yeah. don't want to be in the middle of their phone. I mean, you all got me in trouble. Um, no, so real quick, though, when you write about these public, these big business stories, do they get traction? Do the people care about that? No. No, not really. I, I got asked by a NASCAR America producer. Uh, they like people. Uh, about yeah, they like business. People. They like people. As they should. I don't, have, yeah. I don't even know how many people like the, you know, I know that the hardcore people like the racing, but I don't, you know, I think a lot of people like the storylines and they like the, right. they like the um, personalities. Well, if they like people, they're going to love our next few stories. Should we, should we go to Mike Tyson punch out at the all-star race first or cut day <laughs> at Indy? Cause it happened basically the same weekend. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same weekend. I, I would love know. to go to Indy. 
So you, you want to talk about Indy? I want to talk about setting the field in Indy. So here's my two cents on Alonzo missing the show. I think it validates everything that will happen here during the Indianapolis 500. Hmm. I think the race fan in general is robbed of a field of cars that can compete for a win. The NASCAR races don't have – we just talked about it, right? There's not 30 teams, 35 teams that can win. So that's that's mm-hmm. unfair. Normal IndyCar races don't have a full – they have 20-something cars, right? Sports car races. Everywhere you go, not a full field. That cannot be said about the Indianapolis 500. Mm-hmm. And I think Alonzo and McLaren not being in this race verifies and justifies everyone who is in this race can win it. Is that fair? Jenny, you're the uh, – I don't know that anyone can win it. Um, I mean, you could make an argument. Some longer than others – Maybe yeah, not. I don't, I don't think Ben Hanley's winning the race. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be surprised if Pippa Mann won the race. You know, you know, but, but, but just but, being but, in the field is a... Being in the field is a massive achievement. Uh, making the field was incredibly hard this year. And one of the three cars that went home was woefully unprepared. And your, your story was <laughs> just, I could read it 15 times over. <laughs> I had a crew chief call me, not call me, text me, an NASCAR crew chief, and said that he sent it to all of his... Um, in all of his department heads I would as have. mandatory reading. Yeah. I could probably give you um, which one that was. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, it was, because if you haven't read it, go and find it. It's basically, um, Zach Brown did most of the talking on it, right? Most yeah. of the quotes in there. And he just describes the multiple of errors that yeah. McLaren ran into to miss the show. Yeah, yeah it was a brilliant reported uh, story. Do, do you feel, what's your, gu- I know you have all the quotes, you wrote the story. Do you feel... It was as simple as that. Yeah, I think, you, that, I think that Zach really hired the wrong people and uh, and was too detached from the project. So while I think Zach's trying to do too. I think Zach was, you know, Zach is running a Formula One team, which is, has got to be his priority. That is what his board of directors is holding him accountable and responsible for. He's also a gentleman racer when he feels like it Mm -hmm. and he also wanted to be in the indy 500 because zach has a history here Mm -hmm. you know i don't necessarily know that mclaren the board of directors and its fan group was dying to be back at indy but this place means something to zach and uh he hired he hired the wrong people and he was so busy with his other things he wasn't involved and when it became clear that they needed to step in well Zach is a sales guy. Yeah, it's too. Yeah, yeah, and and Jill to me is um, Jill DeFerrin is a is an ambassador, is a brand ambassador. You know, I thought that the two guys in the in the nightmarish, we have to figure something out. We're not the you know they were not sporting. So people. so I love it because it's because the word she kept going back to was people. So yeah, it was and all the reason about I say that is because you know people think of Crucci oh nuts and bolts and this and that. I'm not a car guy. I never was a great car guy, right? It was all about hiring the right people, and I completely agree. It, the errors all came back to the people that were running the situation. Yeah. Well, Jen and I talked to Zach Brown at Long Beach a month ago, and I came away from that interview. I don't know if you did had the same feeling, Jenna, but like I, I don't think he underestimated the Indy 500. Like you said, Zach Brown knows he what knew. it takes he to knew. make this race, and he was worried. He was he, worried. He then. was worried then, and they like, hadn't. And this was before the test. Jenna was asking him, like, you know, how devastated will you be? if Fernando Alonso misses the Indy 500 and he said, oh, I'd be completely devastated, but I try not to think about it. And then Zach paused and said, but I do. Like, yeah. And I think and this is before they'd had yeah. a problem at so the Texas quote, The best quote in that whole article is we miss Indy 500 the day we weren't on track at Texas. Right. And I was right. like, a pl- that right. is exactly right. And, and that speaks to, I don't think he underestimated this race or what it takes to make it. He overestimated what the people, people and do. the equipment that he put he, in place and, and he, to um, do it. They, yeah. use, they use Formula One people 
They didn't hire very many IndyCar people. Right. Um, and whether we one like the it or not, they're all bubbles. Like, yeah, no, like, yeah. like but people, one, but oh, one of the engineers go late model racing. You can't beat those guys. That's what they do. Yeah, but what, also one of the engineers that ran the program had been sort of out of the. Uh, he is ha, does have an IndyCar background, but had been out of the game mm. for, for a few years. Um, I just don't think that you know he. Marco, I had a, a, an interview with Marco Andretti this week, and I said, what do you think it says about McLaren missing it? And Marco had this great one-liner. He says, I think it shows the Americans might know what they're doing over here. Well, like going back to Steve's point, like I think it completely validates the Indy 500 for that reason. I mean, there's a perception over in Europe, obviously, that IndyCar racing is like, you know, poor man's F1, obviously. And it probably is. But, uh, you know, it's not so easy for a European to come over here and make the you know, that with all the money they have to make the Indy 500, they miss it. The two-time world champion misses it. Um, and obviously it would have been really good for the Indy 500 to have him in the field publicity-wise and all yeah, stuff. Yeah, it would have, but you know what? It would have taken a spot away because that what do you car think, would Nate? have broken. We need, we need to move this to somewhere else or what? No, no we're good. Yeah, we're yeah. fine. So, so here, here's that, just looking at the weather. That, it would have taken a car, a spot away from someone else. Like, you know, that Hunko's team and Kyle Kaiser, let's say that they hadn't made it. Um, they deserve to be in it. They worked very hard. Yeah. Alonzo would have gotten in, and maybe that setup really was a better set. That that last gasp yeah, Sunday, right, yeah. you know, maybe. But you know, that's why we love But I, I don't think that they. I don't. I don't think that car would have lasted. But so, but the, you know why we love sports? Because it doesn't matter what the best setup was. What mm -hmm. happened was real. Yeah. Like there was no script. So to your point, deep down in my heart, as a, in a full-blooded American motorsport guy with a resume of American motorsports, it it a little bit. I was like. You know what? On a world stage, you know, maybe what every, everyone has done, not just me, everyone has done in American motorsports on a world stage just a little bit. It got a little bit more, you know, it is tough. I, uh, to your point, I'm not saying Zach Brown, but the fan base, the world of racing, if you would have asked everyone else, it would have like, miss the show. He's going to go there and contend. Right. You, you yeah. know, so well, because he do did think, in 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was a great story. Yeah, it's a great story. And I think I, hate it the, I think the expense, secondary but. part of the story is that McLaren's a lot worse than we thought. You know, they're in a much bigger hole than they thought. Uh, I, you know, if you follow Formula One, I, I think that they're improved, but they're not contend. You know, they're That's right. so far from contending. That's right. And uh, I think that they are not the mighty McLaren that they once were. They had your motorsports, the New York Yankees, McLaren. There are brands that they don't run. They win. That's a very big difference. Yeah. And McLaren is not winning. Neither so is Hendrick. Neither is Hendrick. So real. So let's sticking on the personality, we're going to end on this one. Mike Tyson punch out. We have Clint Boyer get out <laughs> and hit Ryan Newman somewhere between 2 and 60 times through the uh, passenger window. Um, and was Newman's helmet definitely off? I don't know. Did we determine this? I don't it know. Was, I saw a picture floating around of perhaps a little abrasion on the eye, like maybe right. there's contact, but you don't know if the picture's I thought the they right were body time. shots. I couldn't tell. I couldn't, yeah, I think it's so, very so difficult to I tell. I think the question is this. NASCAR says, look, we're not, it's fine. Like, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, NASCAR needs that to happen every week. Okay, so, <laughs> I, so as a guy who fixed the cars... Listen, I'm not going to go on this podcast and tell kids they need to go fight at the lacrosse game. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if two professionals have a disagreement, I would much rather see them stand toe-to-toe -to -toe on pit road and black each other's eye than wreck somebody yeah. at 100 miles an hour, tear yeah. up equipment in somebody else's day. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And I think fans would care. I think fans want both. I think they'd like to see a driver turn someone out of anger and then beat them up. 
you know, I think they'd, if they could script it, I think they'd ask for both. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Ray Everham tells the great story. I don't know what New Jersey short track it was, whether it was Flemington or Wall Speedway, but that you got fined five hundred dollars for fighting after a race, but you got fined a thousand dollars if you fought in the pits instead of on the front stretch. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I love that story, and I think it speaks to like what NASCAR needs. They need that emotion. What I loved about the whole thing. Um, is Bob Hockerson's video from the autograph session that Newman and Boyer had he last night. He brought his stuff over to sit with Newman. Yeah, yeah. They, they were originally going to put Boyer and Newman at separate tables. Right. And Boyer was like, nope, to hell with that. And he picked up his hero cards and went down, sat right next to him, and Newman was tapping the table. I, I love that um, you can have two veteran guys who you'd think get along pretty well. I mean, I think their wives like each other and stuff like that. Uh, and then they have disagreements. I like like you I guys wish said, there was more of it. Yeah, NASCAR needs more of it. Um, it's not a bad thing to have these disagreements. You don't have to hate each other for life, but it sure makes it more entertaining. And it shows that – I think that it, it shows that people care. Um, it, it shows the passion that people have for it. I'm looking at Nate because, okay, I was on vacation, and we did this podcast, and it exploded, and I got in trouble for my comments. But I hate pre-race ceremonies with the drivers in the bullpen. It's not the driver's fault. They're put there. They don't have a choice. And they're all chumming it up. Right. Like, I don't want to see that. Well, Steve O'Donnell is just beside himself, and he says to me, it's one, this is one of his biggest rants. He says, I have yet to see Conor McGregor <laughs> head to the ring with his kid on his shoulders, like, so, so, small-talking so, with his so, opponent. So, so like, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. So I, I, hear, I hear where O'Donnell is. I don't disagree. But I also think that the sport needs to help the drivers. Because I'll also say the Red Sox and the Yankees don't share a locker room. So, so my opinion is this. The bus lot, I don't want to hear about the bus lot. That's their apartment building. Put a fence up. Keep the media out. Do whatever they want in there. But when they come out of the bus Ouch. lot, when they cross that gate, they're at work. That's kind of my theory. That's my mental theory, right? So my point is the, the, the tracks hold them all in this little bullpen for pr- driver insurance. I'm not going to sit right next to you and not talk to you. Like, we're going to have a co- – you, you know what I mean? But my, my point is, to your point, I don't, they don't have to hate each other and be in business together. But when they put the helmet on, battle. And, and, or – Oh, did I tell you all the DJ quote, best line of Monday night's NASCAR America? He said, oh, we were talking about the fight. And he goes, well, actually, I drove here. And uh, I wasn't real sure, but I, I passed Clint Boyer. I think he still had his helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that is something that really gets fans yeah. riled up, whether it's Michael McDowell. Like, yeah. like, look, or he had his helmet on because he didn't care about the, He was just going to go. He, I don't think Boyer, honestly, could care less. Like, like. You don't think no, I don't think Boyer has the. I, I think Boyer is just in the same thing with the. He's gone thing. red. It's just he's, he's just he's on, yeah. I he's agree. just code red. He's you know pegged out and he just runs and he doesn't even think to take his helmet off. And the problem for me with motorhome lot culture is, uh, like to your point, Steve, like it would be nice if once they exited, they could just put all that aside. But I don't think you, they can separate it. So I think I, that they have to live so close to each I other. Just, but I also think that they shouldn't let any of us in. I'd go two sides to that. I think the motorhome lot should be, it should be a, a solid fence and no, no cameras should go in, no pieces from the playground, no, because I'm okay that they're trying to make the life as normal as possible to travel the circus. So if well, that's, that's not my normal. That's not my normal. I got to go to a stupid Fairfield Inn. Yeah, but, my, so, but my, here's my point, though. I'm willing to give them their space. Like the counter is, hey, when you come out here, why we do they get this. space? We're all in this. Like, why? Like, why do they get us? They're the story. We're not the story. No, you're right. We're not the story. They're the stars. But, you're, but why do we have to pamper them? I'm not saying pamper. I'm saying 
I have no problem going to them and saying, listen, these guys, the kids, these the guys wives. drive home every day. Adhere it in. Yeah, yeah but you're not car. hearing me. These but, guys but, drive. But, these guys drive to the hotel every day. I, but that's not. That's not the complaint I have. My point is, you mentioned the Steve O'Donnell, the kids and the wives and the this. I think if you're someone's willing to step out and say we want to try to make that a little less, then you have to give something back, which is. But we're not going to invade the one space you have because right now there's nowhere for them to go. That would be my argument, and my argument would be for the IndyCar drivers is other than the Indy 500, I feel like the microscope is way higher on the NASCAR drivers most of the year yeah, yeah, just yeah, because of, of size. Of course. But to be fair, uh, I mean, F1 drivers have a big microscope. They don't live at the track. They stay at hotels. Yep. They go back and forth yep. like everybody else. Yep. Um, you know, they, they drive themselves with their physios to the track. They yep. don't even have somebody drive them. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was just a counterpoint to that. No, no, you can own it on this pod. This is, this is, this is, we're going to own I them just, all here. I'm just weighing in. So it's interesting. In. So listen, I, I, we've been here and we heard the whole photo meeting, so we're gonna, I'm not going to hold you up anymore because <laughs> you have a press conference in 12 minutes. So this is another uh, episode of Latarda Location with all my journalist friends. I have Jeff Gluck, Nate Ryan, Jenna Fryer. So just real quick, Jenna... Associated Press, what do you have going on? Indy 500, what's the rest of the summer? All racing stuff? No, Where are you I going next? I go to Paris for the Women's World Cup in about a week and a half. That's going to be excellent. That's uh. going to be excellent, and I'm tentatively scheduled to cover some Formula One races while I'm over there. Excellent. But now that uh, – and I should go now that I've got this in with McLaren. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're in now. And, and at Jenna Fryer, is that what you are? Uh, yeah, I think so. Don't follow me, please. Oh, please, follow <laughs> please her. don't follow me. And if she writes and something do not you don't – send me hate tweets. If, if you she writes something you don't like, make sure you voice your opinion. She really loves that. It really does hurt my feelings. It does. All right. <laughs> Nate Ryan, uh, what do you got going on? I know uh, what you got going on. You're everywhere with me. NASCAR NBC podcast. Check that out. Uh, Splash and Go during the week uh, on NBCSports.com, NASCAR America. And, uh, yeah, um, we'll pick up the NASCAR schedule in Chicagoland and be covering races. And Jeff Gluck, now of The Athletic. Congratulations. What does that I mean? Know, Help Gluck. me out. Help yay me out. What, what's that? Look, like, for, for me, I kind of know, but explain to fan. What's The Athletic? How do I The Athletic I is a subscription sports site, so can't read my stuff now unless you pay for it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, do I get like a comp thing? Do huh? I get, am do I you? tight? Do I get like a free thing? Probably uh, not. I, my, my patrons who, who were over on Patreon.com, they all got a free subscription for a year. Oh. The athletic, but everybody else, I think there's like a forty percent off thing. I don't know. It's hey, like listen, no, two ninety nine a note, month. I'm happy for you. Like you, you took this jump, created. We all gave you a harassment for the website, uh, but you stuck with it and it paid off. So I'm happy for you. Listen, guys, I appreciate your time. Thanks. The idea Thanks was just me. go through. Maybe we'll do one at the end of the year, and 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 we can cover all the uh, crazy NASCAR stuff when I get back on full time. So appreciate you having me as always. Isn't it weird that we didn't talk about the Indy five hundred at all? Um, no, because you know, no, we talked about qualifying. That was enough. All right, whatever. Well, you <laughs> want to talk about it? That's fine. So I just think we're sitting here on Carb Day. Well, Maybe we, we could have mentioned it. Well, like, <laughs> listen, we'll, we'll do it after it happens. The beauty of this podcast is it's not, you know, I do enough shows where we have to talk about the stuff that's current. This is somebody have a little evergreen where somebody can listen to it forever. By the time somebody listens to this, any 500 is over. They don't want to know your predictions. I don't want to be wrong, so I'm yeah, not going to make a prediction. four weeks behind on Nate's podcast. I so think Jenna's got a prediction that to give us. No, no? I, don't. Okay. I, I honestly don't. <laughs> no, but on a serious <laughs> note, this is amazing. If you have never been. The Indy 500 weekend in May. I love this racetrack, and this is a great weekend. Uh, you going look, to see Foreigner? So no, no, I'm not going to Foreigner, but I am going to. I've been invited to a, uh, an evening out tonight, and I With might foreigner. see you there. No, no, I'm not. No, that's more. The Foreigner's more my wife's era band. I'm a, I'm a little bit past Mrs. Latart. So I think Mrs. Latart may not like that comment if she listens to this podcast. Well, you don't have to worry because she's not technical enough even for podcasts. So <laughs> it's uh, it's a great time. Thanks for going. As always, Latart on location available anywhere you get your podcasts. 
subscribe, rate, and review. And if uh, hopefully we'll get some more coming to you. Thanks. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bottom up, up, up. Valid one time on Friday. Participating McDonald's through 12 31 Excludes tax. Must update rewards.